Daisy, we're finally launching all of the Blender YouTube channel videos. I am so excited about telling people what we really think about marketing. We will not hold back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <Not> guarantee. <laughs> That's right. Guaranteed. So, of course, we're going to go with one of our favorite topics to basically kick this channel off, which is really how to build B2B marketing strategy that works. Because this is what you and I and the rest of our team do day in and day out, and then optimizing and making sure things work. Absolutely. And there's the perception that every strategy is completely custom. There's nothing that's repeatable from one organization to another. And that's not true. It all comes down to frameworks and processes and best practices. And yes, there is specialization for different industries and each company has a unique set of opportunities, but they fall within larger buckets that you can easily identify if you've been doing this long enough and if you have a client that's willing to walk with you through that discovery process. Yeah, it's it's the fundamentals that don't change, even though technology will change or even though an algorithm gets updated or even though maybe a tactic choice is different from one company to another, but there are certain fundamentals that are trustworthy and actually create a strategy that plans for success instead of hopes for success. It's something that should actually make business owners and executives feel calmer about their marketing. It's not reinventing the wheel every time. It's not just guessing what might work or let's try a bunch of things and see if we can get something that maybe gives us a return. It's knowing that you're going in and you're going to identify correctly and quickly what are the things that you should move forward with if you want to have success with your marketing. Yes, because... It leads to learnings, even if everything doesn't perform perfectly, but the rationale is there in order to create progress consistently and predictably, and it will drive revenue consistently and predictably as long as you do that. So It does. And you know what you're testing, why you're testing it, how often you're going to review it, when you're going to ramp up efforts, when you're going to pull the plug, and when you're going to pivot. And those are all important parts of the marketing strategy. This ad is brought to you by The Marketing Blender. As you guys know, I'm a fractional CMO, and actually at the Marketing Blender, there's a whole team of us. For a fraction of the cost of a full-time executive, you can hire a chief marketing officer to write your marketing plan, to clean up your messaging and your positioning, and to drive sustainable results. We oversee multiple partners, we help mentor team members, and most importantly, we build a marketing machine that will drive results for your company for years to come. If you're curious about what this looks like, and some of our engagements go from a couple months to a couple years, check out themarketingblender.com. Absolutely. Okay, so... Of course, where do we begin with strategy? The first place I always go is knowing your market. And I don't care if people want to call it buyer personas or avatars or target market or ideal customer profile, semantics aside, who is most suited to want to pay for your service or for your product? Super simple. And if you don't know that, you are wasting tons of money and tons of effort. It's really surprising how often that question is difficult to answer because so many organizations have tried 
from a sales perspective to get as many types of customers as possible because yeah. that, well, it's all revenue, but it's not all the same kind of revenue. And when it comes to marketing, it has to be repeatable. It has to be, since it's a one-way conversation most of the time in marketing, you have to be very clear about exactly who you're reaching or you're not going to see results. And you've got to be really proactive. The world is too busy to slow down and do that 1995 consultative selling where you have three meetings to ask all the questions that you want. You have to confidently predict the problems and the triggers that your market is going to have. And I think the other reason it's difficult, number one, you have to document it and people don't like to slow down and put it in writing and get approval because it doesn't feel like progress. But the other thing is that you hit on it um, when we're talking about complexity. I mean, you didn't use that word, but every business leader on the planet will tell you people are complicated. So it's shocking to me that people are surprised that a buyer persona is not an industry or it's not just a title or it's not everybody that could potentially use our product. I mean, people are complicated. <laughs> and so getting their attention has some complexity la layered in there. Exactly. And your ideal buyer persona, those people are complicated in the same ways. Yes. It's not like they're simple to understand. It's that they are similar enough across that particular target demographic and psychographic um, set that you can make those predictions and those assumptions reasonably. Yes. So the first thing is knowing your market and who they are and how human they are and what's triggering them. But then that leads into the buyer's journey because not every title, not every organization, not every decision maker has a buying journey that's the same. So if you really know people, you can start planning out what they need in order to progress their decision-making. And so talk to me about the buyer's journey, you know, and, and how do you go about documenting that? So the tried and true awareness consideration decision is still a great framework to use. Yeah. And it can vary across personas, as you mentioned. Different people may have different things they need to be aware of in order for them to pay attention. They don't have the same triggers. Uh, different people are looking at how they evaluate a vendor or a provider in different ways. So someone who's doing technology due diligence has a very different set of things that they need to know and understand in order to have trust in your expertise versus yes. someone who is making a decision as a CFO or a CEO or a COO. So making sure that you understand which steps they need to go through to make their next yes decision is important. And it's also interesting to note that not everyone's coming into the buyer journey at the same stage. A referral coming in has already gone through the awareness stage and some of the trust building. So you don't necessarily want to go back and start them over as if they know nothing. You want to leverage the journey that they've already made. Whereas if you're used to doing all selling to referrals, you have to go back and understand what are those awareness stages. I see this being skipped a lot by organizations that are used to just selling to warm referrals. And they don't know that if it's a, a cold lead or a cold prospect, that person has no idea who they are, doesn't care, doesn't know anybody trusts them, and definitely doesn't trust them themselves. Exactly. And that's a perfect segue into the next one, which is messaging. Because you're outlining the timeline of messaging. It's not just a value proposition. It's not just a tagline. It's how do you distribute consistent messaging across 
different personalities, different levels of expertise and understanding about your product or your area, you know, like your competitive landscape, and then also different levels within the organization. And so getting that messaging component is absolutely central to strategy, but it can't happen until you know who you're talking about (laughs) until you know what they're looking at and how they're navigating this. But now we are into messaging and we both believe you can scale and you must scale consistent messaging across your organization and arm your marketers as well as your salespeople with these insights so that they're having this really consistent brand experience that can constantly delivers value. Absolutely. One of the things that I always see in B2B organizations is that the marketing team and the sales team benefit equally from having brand messaging. They're equally likely to need to grab items or, you know, just straight up copy stuff that's in the playbook and use it on social or for sales teams in email responses. And it makes it very easy for everyone to stay on brand and on topic. And because it's delivered in the context of the buyer journey, what do they need to hear at what time? It's easy for marketing and sales to identify, okay, this is the specific piece they need to hear right now. Or I got that weird apathetic response because I said this thing too soon that they don't care about because they haven't given them a reason to care about it yet. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can take those things and then distribute them in the proper places and build them into a system where you can maintain strategic integrity to really guide your prospective market, your prospect to the right decision for their company, which then creates values and drives referrals and all sorts of goodness if you're being good during marketing and sales. So I get very excited about that. And like you said, everybody benefits. It's just confidence grows in the organization when there is real agreement and alignment around the messaging and the fact that it's really resonating with the market. And it's not just that it resonates, but it's that it's true. So I've worked with many, many sales and marketing teams that feel really uncomfortable with what they think they're supposed to be saying because they're parroting what their competitors say and they think that, well, that must be what works. And it doesn't work if it's not true. Competitor orientation is so dangerous. So it's interesting because you and I both, when we're doing strategies for clients, we take competition into consideration but it is not decision-making criteria. It's information in order to understand the market. And you were bringing this up earlier, positioning. And so it's really, marketing strategy is about positioning, not about you versus your competitor. I mean, I think that's misunderstood. So talk a little bit about positioning and what does that actually mean when it comes to B2B strategy? This ad is brought to you by the Corporate Caffeine Podcast. I'm Kyle Coffey. I'm Dacia Coffey. And we're the host of the Corporate Caffeine Podcast, and we've owned a few businesses ourselves. And every week we invite other entrepreneurs on to share their real stories about what it's taken to break through to success, and they even share some of their favorite tips. Obviously, I'm the good-looking one out of the two, and she's the brains. Won't you join us? 
Sure. So a lot of organizations think that your competitors determine what your position is. It's not true. Your buyers determine what your position is. So you need to be working not against your competitors, but with your buyers to create agreement about what your position is within the market, because your buyers are always comparing you to something. So when you understand how they're making those comparisons and you can get them on your side with resonant, truthful messaging, all of a sudden it changes how you're viewed because you're going to market with a, a message that helps you create agreement with your buyers about what makes you different and what makes you better. And are you the lowest cost option in a high ticket market? Are you the most affordable high-end solution that's now available to small businesses? There are all kinds of ways that you can create the kind of alignment you want around positioning. But if you think it's up to your competitors to define your position, you're fighting a losing battle. So dangerous. And you're talking about comparison. And I would love to chase the brain right now on heuristics and how crazy we are, but the brain has to have something to compare it to. There is no big unless there is small. You walk into a room, you can't say it's dark unless there is something where you know what a room looks like if it's supposed to be lighter or brighter. I mean, everything is about this versus that. And that's positioning. Where are you on the map relative to everybody else? And so you're right. It's not anchoring to competitors, but it is helping people go, oh, they are left and we are on the right side. Like, And I don't mean politically. I just mean comparison. People automatically do that and it's healthy, but you can't argue it. And it has to be true. Like that's what you led with. And I think it's so, so important because people love their products and services so much that they feel like there is, um, inalienable truth (laughs) to what they're delivering, but it's not to busy decision makers. Things that owners and salespeople think should be obvious are rarely self-evident to the people that are trying to make that decision. I have this conversation a lot with um, family-owned businesses because they want to make that one of their key differentiators. We're a family-owned business. Yeah. And I love family-owned businesses. Of course. But the question is, is that a buying decision criteria that literally your your, uh, customers are checking off? We need to be working with a family-owned business. If Uh, Maybe they are. I don't know. But if if we aren't asking that question, then your positioning, it may be around something that your buyers literally don't care about. So again, it's not what you think is important about your brand. Yes. It's what is actually important to your customers. Yes. And documenting that so that it can be argued, so that it can be validated, so that it can be optimized, but it has to be written down. If stuff is not written down and distributed throughout your organization, it does not exist. It is not something that you can scale and grow and use to drive exciting revenue growth. True. Okay. So a couple other ones that, um, I wanted to point out in regards to strategy, the word again, that you use truth branding, like that's immediately where my brain goes, but there is strategy behind brand. It's not just willy nilly what colors you picked. It's why? And, you know, we both love brand archetypes because for me, it distills meaning in the role that you are, your organization culturally plays in your customers' business lives down to something understandable and easier <laughs> to use 
when documented. So, um, I, I mean, I think it, you have to have those brand elements like archetype, purpose, core value, and the heartbeat of your culture documented so that it can then infuse in, and help you intersect what the market cares about and who you really are and why you are uniquely suited to serve. Yes, and we always talk about fascination triggers as well because these are the things that you naturally are and when you do them more and more on purpose, it forces people to pay attention to your brand because people just can't look away from certain things. Yeah. But it's not always what you think it is. And this is very, very common to work with organizations around what's fascinating about their brand. And they have no idea until they go through the process because they think, oh, we're all about uh, prestige or we're all about um innovation and sometimes trust yeah that's a big one always and sometimes it's not that it's around how and it's always it always comes down to how do you make your buyers or your customers feel about a certain thing do they want to be more like you because they see certain characteristics that they want to emulate or do they feel already connected with you because you display traits that you have in common with them do you make them feel safe do you make them feel excited? Do you make them feel like they're in the presence of someone who cares about excellence? Do you make them feel more connected? Do you make them feel more nurtured? So understanding, again, the core essence of your brand is a key part of strategy because it affects every single tactic, every platform, and every effort that you make around marketing going forward. Absolutely. So I think that wraps it for today because we have a lot of resources for you guys watching. So um, first of all, if you want a super deep dive and do exactly how to facilitate this and how to document that, you can buy the book Corporate Caffeine on Amazon or your favorite platform that really is meant as a play-by-play -play tool on how to build a B2B marketing strategy. Also, um, Daisy and I both host a lot of lives, and so there is a ton of free resources and exactly how to do that. I will also link a resource where you can download one of our guides that we use with clients and in our teaching sessions. And so if you are wanting to do it yourself and work with your team to document this stuff, you can see a whole bunch of those in the show notes. And last but not least, of course, this is why people hire fractional chief marketing officers so that there is an external person coming in and helping sift through. So if that's something that you guys need, check out themarketingblender.com and you'll learn all about what it's like to work with somebody like that. Daisy, any final thoughts or do we think we wrapped it for today? I would just say that when you're looking at strategy, understand that it's not the same thing as a business plan. It's your marketing strategy is completely focused on awareness and building your brand reputation, your revenue, and your resilience. And you need to make sure that uh, everything that you are focusing into your marketing strategy is something you can actually execute on. Yes. It's decision-making criteria. It's not the planning and the tactics. I love it. So thank you so much. And uh, onward and upward. We hope you learned something today that will help you succeed with your marketing. And if you liked what you heard, definitely give us a thumbs up and a subscribe. Don't forget to check the show notes. We're sharing free tools and resources there. And you guys, we would love to hear your comments. So drop one in or send us an email and maybe we'll use your topic on a future show.